0: Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life. Uh, We're doing a series that we've called uh, truelife.org. I kind of gave the basis for it last week. There's an organization called truelife.org that we uh, linked up with uh, a few months ago, and that's why we have these little invite cards that we're uh, asking you to take and give to someone and invite them to come. On one side of the card, it kind of has that image with an invite to come, tell them we have a seat for them. On the back side of the card, it has a place they can scan, and by scanning, they can go to the website and uh, type in uh, all kinds of questions, uh, and look for different topics and, uh, and get input from that in their own home, uh, to get some biblical truth that maybe they need for their lives. Uh, so I think it's really, really a good concept. I hope you'll be faithful, uh, and be sharing these cards, uh, because we have an investment in them, uh, but not just for that reason. The main investment we need to make is in God's kingdom, uh, sharing his gospel with others. So I hope you'll be faithful, uh, sharing those cards. Um, we went through and picked out 12 topics that we thought made sense to kind of go together. There are many more topics uh, than that that you can go to online. Uh, but we, we tried to find these uh, 12 topics. Started out last week with something that's very, very basic to everything else we're going to talk about. Last week we talked about, is there truth? And we were talking about absolute truth. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Because a lot of people in the day that we live in think everything's relative. Uh, there's not any real truth or any real foundation of truth there's just things like situational ethics where you make up your mind what's right and wrong in the moment still there being a standard uh for what is is right and wrong so that's why we started out last week uh talking about that i do want to say one more thing about it uh and and that is this when you think about absolute truth absolute truth means that you also need to absolutely apply it to your lives you understand that It's not just head knowledge. It ought to affect the choices that you make in your life. Today we're going to take the next logical step, and we're going to ask a question, is there a God? Now, for many of you, you've already settled that. You don't have a question about it whatsoever. You would say, yes, I believe there's a God. Uh, but there are many people in our world today that will say things like, well, God is dead, or there is no God. God has never existed. And that leads them to point to things like evolution and different other philosophies and theories uh, as to how we came about into existence. So uh, right out of the gate this morning, here's what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, guys, I'll be perfectly honest with you. For me, that's fine. That's all I need because I believe that. But some people don't, you know. Uh, I, you've probably heard me say this before if you've been around here very long. If you can believe by faith the first verse in the Bible, all the rest of the stuff shouldn't give you any trouble. If you can believe up front that in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. That everything else happens in the Bible. is kind of like a, a piece of cake if you factor it through this truth that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth but that's not a lot uh it's that's not enough rather for for a lot of people uh because a lot of people would just say well yeah but that's just The Bible, and that's just a book, and anybody can write a book, and and I I don't really believe the Bible, and I don't believe there's a God. So for that reason today, I'm going to talk about some biblical evidences for God, but I'm also going to talk about some scientific evidences for God. Now, if you're someone very skeptical about whether God exists or not uh, this morning, you might be saying, what do you mean scientific evidence? Are you trying to tell me there's actually scientific evidence that points toward there being actually a creator and a God that exists? And my answer to that would be, yes. I think so. And I think maybe after we get to those facts, you may walk away today, even if you don't believe it now, thinking, hmm, they, you know, I, I believe there must be something that, that created us other than just all the blind chance that people want to believe in. Last week, I started out talking about the philosophies of men before I talked about divine truth. So I talked about philosophies of men, then the Bible. And we'll do the opposite today. I'm going to talk about what the Bible has to say uh, about the existence of God. And then we're going to talk about some scientific evidence for the existence of God. So to start with this morning, let's look at some biblical evidence for God's existence. And we've already read this verse, but I want to talk for a minute about beginning evidence. Beginning evidence. Once again, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, The phrases that are used there in the Hebrew, that in the beginning, uh, literally means first in place, time, order, or rank. It's talking about the supreme God. It's plural in form, by the way, which kind of messes some people up. And they say, well, what does it mean that it is plural in form? Well, here's what I believe the Bible teaches. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's one God revealed in three persons, and all of them were involved in in the creation of the universe. But Jesus, you'll see in a few minutes, very specifically so, because I think the Bible teaches Jesus Christ was God's agent of creation. I think he's actually the one that spoke everything into existence. He's the supreme God, and He created. It means to absolutely create. Now, while I understand that basically clearly says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, just maybe there's an implication for us there. And the implication might be this. The first thing we need to get in our mind, I kind of alluded to it a moment ago, the first thing we need to get in our mind and our heart that we can wrap faith around, the first thing in order of prominence is this in the beginning God created because if we grab that as I said a moment ago it will impact the way our faith is applied to everything else that we read in the Bible now kind of background to this we're going to jump into the New Testament for a moment and some more background to this beginning evidence of of God Paul's writing to the Colossians and he writes this about Jesus He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and get this for him. Park that in your mind for a moment. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everything that exists holds together. Now, if you've been around or met, you, know I do a lot of word studies. I think there's meaning and value to them, or I wouldn't do them. But uh, that's telling us Jesus Christ is the very image of the invisible God. When you look at the idea of image, it means likeness or, or, or the profile or even like the statue of, of God himself. When you look at it in, in the Greek, the word thee doesn't come before image. And it literally reads, Why it sounds awkward to us, it made perfect sense to them, it literally reads this, he, image of God. And if you know anything about the Greek language, that is actually a stronger statement than saying he is the image of God. It's simply saying he the image of God. Because that's who Jesus is. So by him, and a literal translation of that would be in him. We've seen that word quite often lately in several sermons. It's the little word in, we jump over sometimes, but it talks about a fixed position of instrumentality. So in him, in a fixed position, it's talking about how he created... All things, and that's exactly what it means, all, any, every, the whole. He created all things, whether it's gazed at or unseen. It's kind of like a literal translation of what's said there. Now, in end with what we read a moment ago. I don't want you to miss this, because it also said that he set up, he created government, rulers, and authorities, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, and all creation, including established governments, purpose is to be for him i talked about being for him just a moment ago it's for him into him the the point of being being jesus recently i almost kind of wanted to scream at my tv i guess you never do that do you um i might i'll take it back i think it might be my laptop my my computer screen when uh, some of the controversy he had a few weeks ago about the uh uh, clerk in uh, Kentucky that was refusing to issue a marriage license, and, and I know you know people have different ideas about that, and some people say, "Well, the Supreme Court voted on that, so it makes it the law of the uh, of the land." Well, bear, bear with me just a moment. And they had a bunch of news media there, and it was all built up, and you can kind of tell it was hyped up for the purpose of causing this confrontation. And uh, in, in the middle of what they were showing that took place there that day in the clerk's office. One of the guys, there's two men there want to be married. One of the guys screamed at her, God doesn't run the government. And I literally want to scream back, he created the government. The Bible clearly teaches no one is in authority without him allowing them to be in authority. Now that might make you ask, well, okay, why are some people in authority then? I, I have that question too sometimes. And maybe we're being taught lessons through it because all things work together, we're told in the Bible. But literally, he created, he set up, he established the government. And it said it's even to be for him. Do you see that? And man, our government seems to be anything but for him. And yet it says it was supposed to be for him. The point of the aim of it is all in or toward Jesus, toward God. He's the very agent of creation. Hebrews eleven three tells us this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are, are visible. So that's just some beginning evidence of God. But as we continue to look at the Bible, there's continuing evidence. In other words, yes, God created everything, but there's continuing evidence. It still exists today, by the way, that points us toward the reality of God. Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. In other words, God made it clear. Because God has shown it to them for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. In other words, there's enough evidence when we just look at the fact that there's a creation in the intricacy of creation and in the preciseness of creation. And we'll talk about some of that when we get to the science stuff in a few moments. But there's evidence just by looking at creation that God is real, that there's a creator. To where we would look at if we'll honestly evaluate and look at everything that's made and, and, and how specific it is and, and how precise it is. I said a moment ago, we would come away with the idea that there that there must be a God. And on top of it, there's no evidence, there never has been any evidence in all of creation that anything can be made from nothing. Think about that a moment. What takes a a larger leap of faith? To believe that there's an eternal being, divine God, that created everything. Or to believe that somehow everything that exists was made out of nothing. Is that logical to you? And and yet that's the truth claim of evolution. That somehow something happened and just set some events into being. and, and, And then that's why we're here. Not because there's a creator. And we've got evidence as we look at creation that there's a God. So much so that Paul wrote that... There's no excuse. In other words, no one will ever be able to go one day and say, God, no one ever told me. God, I didn't know anything about you. No one ever shared the gospel with me. I, I didn't really believe that you existed. I, I, I never read the Bible. And so, God, I'm not accountable to you because I didn't know all those things to which God would say, yes, you did know about me. The very evidence of creation was enough to give you the life that you needed to walk in to begin with to say there must be a creator. To the point that that all people are accountable before him. When we look at just the vastness of the universe and everything that God has, has created. Psalm 19 verse 1 and 3 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Now, I'm going to come back to this later in the message. But basically, and many of you have read that before and you thought about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you go out and you look at the heavens, I mean, walk out when you can see all the stars at night and consider all the vastness of the universe. And you just walk out and and kind of look at that and and you're saying, there must be a God. I mean, even even the, the heavens seem to be shouting that there's a God. But we're going to see when we get to the scientific part in some very specific ways. The heavens declare the glory of God. That there is a creator. See, the principle is kind of this. If you've got an intelligent design, there, there has to be an intelligent designer. And I'll say that probably two or three times in, in the course of this message. If there is an intelligent design, that simply communicates to you that there must be an intelligent designer. Now, bear that in mind. It will make more sense when we get to the, to the scientific part of it. We've looked at beginning evidence of God. There's continuing evidence through creation that there is a God. But we need to talk for a moment about rejecting evidence of God. Rejecting evidence of God. Going back to Romans. It says, for although they knew God. In other words, mankind knew God. and knew about God. See, the the, the way people think in this day and time they think well we're evolving into something better you know we know more than we used to know when really the bible teaches we used to have an intimate knowledge of God and we kind of blew it and this kind of tells us how we blew it for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. claiming to be wise they became fools in exchange the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles in other words we used to know god we used to recognize god we used to honor god as god the human race did but because the human race was not wanting to be accountable to god we decided that we're going to worship something else we'll worship ourselves we'll worship bugs we'll worship the images of reptiles or whatever as long as we're not having to worship God because we'll be accountable to Him. You see, I think that's really the root cause, as I said last week, as I talked about absolute truth. The reason people so want to believe in something like evolution that really has been disproven now, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, the reason they so want to hold on to that is this. The other the only other alternative is that there is a God that made everything, and you're accountable to him. And that's why our society and our culture is trying to throw that away therefore as a result of that god gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves because they changed the truth about god for a lion worship to serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen let's keep reading next slide for this reason god gave them over to dishonorable passions For their women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Now, I recognize that we live in a politically correct day, but I would rather be biblically correct than be politically correct any day of my life. And whether our culture likes it or not, or people like it or not, because this truth might fly in the face of their practices and their actions, it says that God gave them over to where they had the mindset to do things that were literally against nature. You understand what he's saying, don't you? What produces a baby? A man and a woman. Look at that in creation, look at that in nature. And yet, because of the rejection of the knowledge of God, it so impacted them that it even affects their desires, even their sexual desires, to the degree that they're practicing things that should not take place, shameless acts, and they're receiving themselves a due penalty of their error. In other words, there are consequences for that type of lifestyle and that type of behavior. Now, guys, that's not me being some redneck in Caldwell County that grew up in Wilkes County being a bigot. I'm just telling you what God said. Mankind exchanged God's truth for man's lies and started worshiping self rather than the Creator. Who, by the way, is unaffected by such actions because Paul said in the midst of that, that the Creator is blessed forever. Amen. Hey, it don't matter what you do, what I do, God's always blessed. And He's always right. And He's always glorious. Irregardless of what we might think and what our choices might be. So what's the rest of the results? Well, we need to read further in Romans chapter 1. And then we'll jump over to Timothy here in just a moment. Here's the results of everything that we talked about. Remember, the beginning evidence is this. There's a God. God clearly revealed himself to man. Man did not want to know him, did not want to be accountable to him. So they reject the knowledge of God and start living however they want to live. Which results in this, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Does that not give a description of our culture? It doesn't matter if it's wrong. It doesn't matter if God says it is wrong. It doesn't matter if it goes against nature. But because we want to be so politically correct, we're going to applaud all those actions. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But understand this. You see, this is where we are now. Understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of God. Godliness, but denying the power. Does that not describe for you the culture we live in? How did we get there? We had a beginning evidence of God, a continuing evidence of God. You can look in culture and creation and say, oh, there must be a God. But because people rejected the knowledge of God, that's why we are where we are. Now, I understand someone's going to say like I did a moment ago, but, you know, preacher, you're kind of ignorant. You don't know that much. You're not a scientist or anything like that. That's just an old book just filled with fables and everything like that. And I don't really believe that. So that doesn't prove to me there's a God. Um, All right, I recognize it may not for some of you. So let's talk about the scientific evidence for God. Things have changed, by the way from the time of charles darwin we've had some advancements since his day you recognize that how many of you rode a horse to church today leave it to my daughter to raise her hand and she may have she'll adopt every animal snake reptile cat dog whatever she may have found a horse on the way here for all i know this morning and rode it here that's jessica There have been a lot of advancements in science since he suggested evolution as a theory, by the way. It gets taught as fact, but it's a theory. A lot of the contemporary evidence of science, in other words, the more and more they make advancements, it seems like the more and more it points toward the evidence of a creator, of an intelligent designer, of God than it does to point away from him. Here's what the father of modern chemistry says. From the knowledge of God's work, Robert Boyle, from the knowledge of God's work, we shall know him. He, he's saying, but looking to creation, like we talked about a moment ago, we shall know him. There's a documentary that if you have not done it yet, I hope you'll go online and watch it because I'm going to cover some things really fast and not all of it, so uh, you'll not get it. And that's one reason I posted that on my YouTube page, or not my YouTube, but my Facebook page, this link to YouTube earlier this week, and I said, if you get a chance to watch it, anybody watch it before, before today? Anybody, anybody get a chance to watch it? Okay, You need to go watch it. It'll take about an hour of your time, but it'll be worthwhile. Lee Strobel did a documentary entitled The Case for the Creator. Now, before you start thinking, oh, well, yes, yeah, just a bunch of propaganda by some guy that was raised a Christian and he was brainwashed and everything else, let me give you some background about Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel, when he was a teenager in high school, was told about an experiment that they were teaching as fact that they wound up proving false later, whereby a scientist in this glass enclosed environment put in what they thought would have been similar to things that might have existed pre-creation, uh, chemicals, evidence uh, you know, out in the, in, the, in the creation, in the introduced life and electricity to it and poof, all of a sudden there's some little, little life forms in there growing. And that was taught as facts. Lee Strobel believed it and he became an evolutionist and he became an atheist. He went on to study law and journalism. So in other words, he understood how to look at facts and, and how to record facts. That's what journalists are supposed to do instead of spin it like happens today. His world got rocked though, about five years into his marriage. Because five years into his marriage, Lee Strobel's wife became a Christian. And he thought to himself, well, that probably fixes that, you know. That's, that's a done deal. But instead, he started noticing how his wife responded differently to him and differently to the children. And it started making him think, I, I might need to look into this a little bit. And Lee Strobel went on a 20-year investigation looking for the evidence of God. And we're going to talk about some of the scientific evidence that he came across during this 20 years that he went on this this investigation looking for God. Now, this might make you feel like, as I said last week when I was talking about the philosophies of men, you might feel like, oh, I'm in a college class. Well, if you feel like that, it's stuff you need to know today. Let me give you some quotes from some scientists to start with. Because, see, most of the time you don't hear these types of quotes from scientists. You hear them from preachers, but not scientists. Edmund. Whitaker, who's a physicist, said this There is no ground for supposing that matter and energy existed before and were suddenly galvanized into action. It is simpler to postulate creation ex nihilio, which means this in the Latin, divine will constituted nature from nothing. That's a scientist that said that. Here's another quote from a scientist Robert Jastrow, which, by the way, was an agnostic, he wasn't a believer. But he was being interviewed by Christianity Today. And he said this, Astronomers now find they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in the cosmos and on the earth. Next slide. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover that there are what I or anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. That's an agnostic saying that. He also said this the chain of events leading to man commits suddenly and sharply at a definite moment of time in a flash of energy and light. Here's another quote from a scientist Alan Sandage, and he's one of the most influential astronomers in. Cosmologists, no, listen, ladies, not cosmetologists, okay? There's there's a difference. We'll we'll explain that in in a moment. Of the 20th century. He said, we can't understand the universe in any clear way without the supernatural. There's a document over the last few years that scientists, most of them are are doctorate-level scientists and engineers, entitled Scientific Descent to Darwinism. And there have been over 800, around 800 of those scientists, doctorate-level scientists and engineers who have signed it, saying we now know that Darwinism is wrong, that evolution is wrong. Now, that's just some quotes. Think about the fossil record just for a moment, the fossil record. Because here's what Darwin said. Darwin said that every living thing came from a common source. And he called it the tree of life. So you could take the tree of life and you start here at this, uh, maybe some germs in a pond or whatever it is, it become a tadpole, become a fish, grew legs, got out and walked, uh, you know, eventually became all the other animals and, and, uh, and, and apes and human beings that we all evolved from the same place. The problem is this, there's not one bit of fossil evidence that's ever been found in any of the strata within the earth to prove there's ever been anything more from one thing to the next. What they can show is something called the Cambrian Explosion, which means this. All of a sudden, the Cambrian-type life, they can clearly see it as they investigate the, the fossils and look at the strata within the earth, that all of a sudden, in a flash of time, they're there. They weren't there, now they're there. Which to me sounds a whole lot like the creation story, instead and, and of something that evolution might want to project, or the theory of evolution Let's go to our uh, cosmetology, uh, cosmology for a moment. I want to be clear on that. I don't want some of you ladies coming up and asking, kind of get that guy's name if he's, really, if he's the most renowned cosmetologist. You know? um, cosmology is the study of the cosmos of the universe. And we're going to talk about some things in that regard. One is the expanding universe. They can scientifically prove that the universe is gradually expanding. Now, people that want to believe in evolution will say, aha, big bang. So, so everything is, is going away from where the explosion happened. The problem is it's going away at a very, very, very precise rate. That could not happen just from some haphazard explosion. It is so precise that if the universe were to be expanding any faster to the tolerances I'm going to show you in a moment, if it were to be expanding any faster, there would not be any planets, any sun, any life, any matter whatsoever, because the expansion of the universe would be so fast, it would pull everything apart. If it were to be beyond the tolerances I'm about to share with you that they have figured out. The expansion of the universe is fine-tuned to a tolerance of one part and 100 million, billion, 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 billion. And numerically, it looks like that. I wish I had that in the bank, don't you? L- look at the t- Look at the precision. Look how fine-tuned even the expansion of the universe is. That did not happen by accident. I read that, and anyone honestly and logically reading that would have to say, for that precision to happen, there must be a creator. Let let me give you an illustration that maybe puts in your mind the precision we're talking about. They said for that type of tolerance, that type of precision, it would be the equivalent of going out into space hundreds of miles, taking a dart like you would normally throw a dartboard, and throwing it at the earth, and hitting a bullseye that's half the size of an atom. That's pretty precise, isn't it? Hmm? I like to think I'm a pretty good shot. We have several law enforcement officers back here. They probably stand up and say, we are too, you know. But I don't think I can hit a target half the size of an atom. You guys? especially not from hundreds of miles in outer space. I couldn't hit it if I was standing two feet away from it, half the size of an atom, because you couldn't see it. Now, doesn't that bother your mind a little bit that that type of precision is involved in the expansion of the universe, which to me gives scientific evidence that it did not happen just by, by accident. Talk about the earth's position just for a moment. Earth's position. A lot of you have heard things like, like this before. Well, if the earth was any closer to the sun or further away from the sun, life was, we know it wouldn't exist. You've also heard that it, that it has to be at the precise uh, angle on the axis that it is, or also life couldn't exist like it is. Uh, our moon it, it has a certain tolerance to it going around the earth in order for us to have the type of gravity uh, that we need on the earth. So all of that is stuff probably you've heard before. But as I was looking at this this past week, they, they gave another illustration in this documentary that I'd never heard before. They said, imagine a ruler or yardstick in one inch increments stretched across the whole universe, which is 14 billion life years, light years. 14 billion light years. And comparatively speaking, if you were to move the earth just one inch in comparison to the whole Distance of that measurement in the universe. Gravity would crush every form of life any larger than a green pea. Which means you and I could not be here. Animals could not be here. And gravity is only only one of 30 specific parameters that need to be fine-tuned to sustain life. Scientists are also coming to this conclusion. They're believing the earth is so positioned where it is to allow us to make discoveries. To allow us to be able to do scientific discovery. It's like the earth is designed for discovery. to Where we can see things about the universe. They're starting to believe that where we're positioned in all the universe is not accidental because we have a more of a translucent atmosphere than other places and, 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 other things that go into our environment allow us to be able to, to carry out experiments and to see into the universe to the degree that they think it happened on purpose, that it was designed on purpose. And Lee Strobel made this statement. He said, I think God, I think God intentionally created a habitat us that allows us to see him through the creation he's left behind and he says by doing science we find god remember what i read earlier in psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of god not just looking up and saying oh wow look at the stars oh look at the beautiful mountains look at the sun look at the flowers all that yeah that that sounds like a there must be a creator now even to the degree of God giving us the exact habitat we need to find him and explore him through science. That's the conclusion that scientists are coming to in the day in which we live. Another quote from an astrobiologist, Gorillamo Gonzalez. He says, The odds of all the necessary factors for life appearing at the same time on the same planet are one chance to the negative 15 and you see the digits up there what that means he said that's the odds of life appearing in the same way on the same planet at the same time let's talk about physics just for a minute i'm gonna talk about physics then we're gonna talk about dna and then we're done according to uh Robin Collins, and he's a philosopher in physics, he says the law of physics is, ba- physics is balanced on a razor's edge. That's pretty narrow balance on a razor's edge. And then he talked about the atom. He, he said, consider the atom for a moment. Because there's a strong nuclear force that binds the atom together. And if that nuclear force, of that that binding force of the atom, were to be diminished by just one part in ten thousand b and b and b and b, and then once again, right there is the, the the numerical numbers, the digits for you to look at the odds. He said, if the if the if the binding force, the nuclear force of an atom, were to change, be diminished by that much, you'd only have one element left in all the universe, and that's hydrogen. In other words, you wouldn't have any chemistry, you wouldn't have any other elements, and, and no life could exist. I thought about that when I when I read it. I thought, man, when I was taking chemistry in school, I wish there had only been one element. How about you? I could have made straight A's on that chart that we had to memorize. But instead, there are all types of elements. But he's saying if 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 the atom, the tolerances of how God even designed the atom, if it were to change by that much nothing would exist except hydrogen in all the universe that's precision folks that's not something happening accidental lee strobe also said this the universe is finally tuned by an intelligence to sustain complex life and intelligence beyond the constraints of time and space that's what i believe that's what i think the bible teaches so, last scientific fact: DNA, and I'm going to give you a couple of things about DNA. Uh, DNA. The more they look at it, they're starting to see things that they look that it looks like to them is like a biological machine. Now, it's biological. It's not a you know manufacturer machine like we make metal and stuff like that. It's a biological machine. But DNA is also a a written language code. Now, here's the importance of that. In Darwin's day, he couldn't see it. In Darwin's day, they looked at a human cell and they thought of it kind of like it was a blob of something like jello or something, you, you know? They couldn't see the specifics of it. But now we understand that the human cell is one tenth the size of the point of a straight needle. That's pretty small. One tenth the size of a point of a straight needle. And that one single human cell has 3 billion units of DNA. Think about that. The one cell is one-tenth the size of the head of a needle, and it has 3 billion units of DNA. And the human body is made up of trillions of cells that work together like biological machines. Let me give you a picture of one. The bottom left corner is a... Scientific diagram of a bacterial flagellum, and when you look at it close, there are things in there that function like a, you know, like a, like a, like a rotor, like a stator, like a drive shaft in in a bush in there, like you'd find in in an electrical motor. The bottom right-hand corner kind of shows it in a picture that makes it look a little bit more mechanical. The top right-hand corner is a picture of an electrical motor. Now, can I ask you something? If you're out walking across the woods and you find an electrical motor someone threw away, are you going to pick it up and look at it and say, you know what, I bet it took a really, really long time? but I bet one time that thing didn't exist at all. And I bet just the right, you know, the right things come about in the environment. And all of a sudden this thing created itself. Is that what you're going to think? If you find an electric motor, what are you going to think? Somebody manufactured it. Somebody made it, right? Think of the leap of faith it would take to say, no, that electric motor just, it created itself. It came about on its own. You see, that's the point I'm trying to make about the bacterial flagella. There's a principle now that they have found that's entitled irreducible complexity. Irreducible complexity means this it it means this thing could not exist in any form if it wasn't exactly like it is. In other words, it could not have evolved, is what they're saying. This bacterial flagellum, it, it could not have come into being gradually. The thing that looked like a tail kind of serves like an outboard motor. And when you look at bacteria under a microscope, that's what's pushing it along. You don't know how many RPMs that tail makes, the rotor makes in it? 100,000 RPMs. Brad would like to get that built into a car he's working on right now. 100,000 RPMs. Man, even in a fast hop-up car, you get up about 8,000 RPMs. It's time to go to a different gear. of machine in all the universe and it's bacteria. I think that God made for it to be that specific. Now, I was researching this and... Scientists that don't want to believe there's a God and want to reject the reality of a God, they came up with their own explanation for this because, you see, they're up against a rock in a hard place because this bacteria, the I said a moment ago, has got 40 working pieces and it could not have existed without any of those pieces, could not have functioned. So it could not have gradually became what it is. That's what he means by irreducible complexity. You, you could not take away things. Well, what these atheistic scientists are doing they're bringing up another picture of some bacteria that looks really similar to it the tail doesn't spin it just looks like a dart the tail looks like a dart and they do look kind of similar when you compare them and they and they they say well this one doesn't spin what it does is enjoy, inject poison but because these two look a whole lot alike then then this one over here could have morphed and developed into having the tail that spins and i'm thinking as they use that explanation you didn't prove anything the only thing you told me and my way of looking at it is that both of those were created by God. To look that specific. So you can't take it away. And, here, and here's the deal with that. It, it's, well, let me illustrate it first for you. And some of you may have heard this illustration before. Think about a mass, mousetrap for a minute for this irreducible complexity. You know what a mousetrap looks like. You know how many, working, kind of how many working parts it has. If you take one of those parts away, you know what happens? It's no longer a mousetrap. So, so that's their argument about this bacterial flagellum. Now, now, I told you all that to, to bring this on your plate this morning. Here's a quote from Charles Darwin. If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have been formed by numerous excessive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. A couple of important things there. Number one, he called it a theory, and we teach it today as though it's a fact Number two is what he said would happen, his theory would would be blown out of the water, has happened as science has made these advanced discoveries in looking at bacteria, in looking at the human body, in looking at things like DNA. So why do we still teach it? Why do people still believe it? A couple more things about DNA and then we'll... We'll close. DNA is also this. DNA is a language code. It's a language code. It's not something haphazard. Scientists say if there's some way, it is so dense, and you heard me tell you how dense it was really a moment ago, that just uh, one human cell that fits on the tenth, uh, on something the size of the tenth of a point of a needle, that one cell has three billion information units of DNA, that one cell. So, what they also tell us is this. If there were some way to take all the DNA from every human being, every living creature on the planet, plus put into DNA form every book that has ever been written, it would all fit in a tablespoon. You tell me that happened by accident. That dense. It's a four-part chemical code that's written out as a language. Now focus on the language part. Matter, in eminent matter, matter does not write languages. You understand that? If, if if you someone gives you a book or a piece of paper or whatever, and they hand it to you and you look at it, you you look at it with the awareness of somebody wrote this, right? Somebody Somebody typed it up. He's being devious looking. He's kind of looking at me like, I might keep your notes where you won't have them up there. You, you don't just find something that's written and, and think, well, that just come into being. If you find a book, logically, as you follow that out, you find that someone wrote it. If you find hieroglyphics on a wall in Egypt. And you follow that out, you still come to the same conclusion. It's a language, it's written, someone put it there. And that's the same thing with DNA. It's such a precise language, it's, the most, it's like the most advanced software program that's ever been written. never been any software program that's written that can match DNA. And when they first found DNA back in the 50s, all of a sudden the more advancements that are in DNA. You realize that's why criminals are tried today and convicted sometimes, just because their DNA is specific to them, can prove they were the ones that was on the scene. They're the ones that did the crime. So DNA is so specific and is such a elaborate, precise language code that all of a sudden they started realizing the people who wanted to believe in evolution, they started realizing, we've got a problem, <laughs> Because it's like I said earlier, intelligent design means there's an intelligent designer. And somehow this really, really sophisticated language was written. And what that ought to tell us is there's a God that made us. There's a God that wrote that language in the very fiber of our being. But you want to know what their excuses are? I watched a video with one of them making excuses. Well, since we have uh, looked more and more at DNA, we realize that there, there's an intelligent source to DNA. So m- maybe what happened was this: aliens brought DNA to Earth. Honestly, that's one of the more one one of the more advanced, outspoken guys for evolution saying that. Now, those of you that are in a small group. You'll see this evening, wherever your small group meets, you'll watch a video by Kenneth Ham, who's a creationist uh, and an apologist, uh, and he will go into this in more detail. If you're not in a small group, you can go to truelife.org and type in, is there a God, and you can watch the video in your home. But here's what Kenneth Ham does with that. He, he said, all right, so it, aliens brought the DNA to this planet. Where did the aliens get it? Well, there must have been aliens in another part of the solar system or another part of the universe, and they brought that to to, to that planet to that area, and that's where it came from. And he, he says, "Okay, where did those aliens get it? Well, it's from some you know somewhere else out in the universe, and they okay, where where did you, you understand the logical argument? You're going to run into God." Now, I'm not here saying I believe in aliens. I'm saying they're crazy to try and say that's the, that's the excuse that they can come up with now that DNA confronts them with such a specific language code that only an intelligent designer, the God, I think, of all the universe, the God of the Bible is the one that has written it into being. Lee Struble said God is invisible, but he has left us the scientific evidence to find him. DNA didn't happen haphazardly. Another scientist said this, a statistician said that you could fill the whole universe up with monkeys. And the monkeys be sitting there typing on typewriters or a computer, whatever, uh, just randomly typing, consistently typing, day in and day out, all the time, all the time. The whole universe is filled with monkeys and they're typing, 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 typing. He said they will never ever accidentally write Shakespeare's transcript to the play Hamlet. Much less could they ever accidentally write the DNA code for all living creatures. So is there a God? I think the answer is yes. We've looked at biblical evidence for there being a God. And as I said earlier, that might not matter to you. It depends on your mindset. You may just say, Oh, I don't believe all that. All that stuff. Well, what about all the scientific evidence? You see, that was not written by Christians, and 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 that's unbiased. And all it is is given scientific facts. Honestly, if you will logically think about the precision of the universe, how can you say that happened by accident? The odds for that happening would be the equivalent of me taking this watch that my wife bought me several years ago. And it's made out of titanium, and it works off the solar power and things like that. But if I were to take it all apart, every bit, every piece apart, and put it in a paper poke and, uh, shake, it and shake 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 it for enough time, then eventually it would put itself together and it would come out as a watch. Does that make sense to you? That's what they want you to believe. I believe it makes more sense to believe there's a God that made everything. Now, you might be asking yourself, why is this important? It's important for this reason. God made you different than all the other creatures. The Bible says he breathed into man and man became a living soul. And that means you have an eternal soul that's going to last forever. And that's why you need to be concerned about God and knowing him and knowing Christ as your Savior. Because your soul is going to last forever either in God's presence or separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. That's why it matters. That's why you need to understand there's a God. And you need to understand how much He loves you. Have you ever smelled a flower or looked at birds or looked at creation and everything, and sunset, sunrise, whatever, and you thought, man, how much God must love us to create that? Have you ever had that... Feeling before, I have a lot of times as I look at creation, but can I trump that a little bit with something else? God loved you enough to nail his son on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so that through faith in him you can have everlasting life. That's why you need to know this. To be convinced that he's real and he can change your life forever. Let's pray. Father I want to thank you for the evidence that you give us in your word for the bible evidence the biblical evidence that you're real that you exist Father the more I study for this message the more I was amazed of all the scientific evidence of how you have put your stamp your image in creation so we can find you and see that you're real. Lord, I pray for anyone in this place right now that has never, ever believed that you're real. They've never, ever trusted in Christ. Maybe they believed a lie because they've been taught a theory of evolution. And they've rejected the fact that you could be real. Help them to evaluate their motive right now and ask themselves if they're really rejecting your reality because they don't want to be accountable and responsible to you. Father, I pray you give anyone here this morning the faith they need to believe that you're real, to believe that you love them, to believe that you love them so much Jesus died on the cross. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. During this time of invitation We have more of these cards up here at the front We did not put them uh, I don't think in the updates Unless they stuffed them between the two services this morning I want to ask you a question I don't want you to raise your hand I just want to confront you with this If you were here last week You were given at least two of these And we ask you to go and share it with someone Throw it at them like I did Share it with someone and, and tell them, you know, we want to invite you to, to come to our church. And by the way, on the back of this card, if you'll scan this in or go to this website on your computer, you can uh, find a lot of answers to questions you might have. Really an easy way for you to invite someone to church. So I, I want you to answer the question in your own mind right now. What did you do with these this past week? It was, we need to be accountable. And we're going to be holding you accountable every week throughout this whole series to remind you to take these cards and invite people to come. So I hope you already have, but I hope you'll also come during the invitation because this is part of our invitation today. If you already know Christ as your Savior, your part of the invitation is to come get more of these cards and make a commitment before the Lord to go out this week and share these cards with others. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never believed there's a God, I hope you've got abundant evidence today, even from science, to consider that there must be a God. And if you've got questions about that or questions about how to receive Christ as Savior, I invite you, please come and see me during this psalm. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day Three Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.